Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. You're with Primetime, Bharati Jagdish and Timothy Go with you. Now, things indeed have become more expensive. Tim and I are like all people sitting down saying, wow, this one is so more expensive. That one is so now more expensive. You, you know you're old when you say back in the day, this yeah. one cost $2 and now it's 4 Exactly. But. So we call it inflation, but that also includes the cost of money reflected in interest rates, which has followed inflation higher. That's right. Uh, Singapore's headline inflation surged in the month of March at the fastest pace in about a decade, 5.4% from a year ago, as the cost of everything like really everything, food, housing, cars, to service, went up. Yeah, so one might say, okay, this is quite alarming, but I would say that a lot of us expected it. A report from Endowas shows that the rising cost of living actually dominates as the top concern for most. And yet, four in five Singapore respondents plan to invest more. One would think that people would say, everything's so expensive, I don't have money to invest. But apparently everything's so expensive, I need to invest in order to grow my money. What do you think? Maybe that's the approach? Or that's the, stock the thinking? market is so low right now, if you don't get in, when are you going to be able to afford it? Exactly. So actually, there are many obvious reasons as to why people might want to do this. But let's find out more from Gregory Van, CEO of Endowas. Hi, Greg. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Greg, let's talk immediately about the Endowas Wealth Insights report. You noted that a large majority of Singapore respondents are planning to invest. What's really driving this sentiment? Was it what Tim and I were saying, that everything's so expensive, I, I better just try and grow my money right now? <laughs> That's a very good point. You know, it's funny. We, we did this survey earlier in the year, toward the end of last year, and it's really now that I think we're really feeling the upticks in inflation. But at the point in time of the survey, a large number of respondents said they were very concerned about rising inflation, 45%. So they had some foresight there on what was happening. This is before the war broke out and all the supply chains got disrupted and China's COVID lockdown happened and all these, and, you know, all these knock-on effects are now affecting, I think, daily life all around the world. Right. So actually, these worries are quite common, right? And I believe in Singapore, at least, GST and rising property prices top the list. That's right. I think, you know, among the younger, uh, a young, among the younger respondents, it was GST hikes and rising property prices. I think younger respondents may be thinking about their immediate large purchases coming up. A lot of them may be buying their first home. So that rising property prices on top of the cooling measures um, was a concern. And then, of course, the GST hike was a concern across the board. Uh, the younger population felt it more, where their purchasing power tends to be lower um, as they are you know, starting to enter the workforce and, and earning more and more. So out of all of this, uh, from your finding, though, the, the, I guess if there is a silver lining, we're seeing that uh, the younger, uh, younger generation are still looking into investing. Yeah, um, you know, you guys are you guys are making a joke about back in the day. Back mm. in the day, we didn't invest only if somebody <laughs> told us to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Back in the day, we could put our money in the bank and it would just grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at interest rates today, right? Look, look at interest rates today, which are extremely low. Yes, they're moving up to counter inflation, um, obviously led by the Fed's moves in the U.S. But 
we lived through a period of extremely low interest rates. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what that equilibrium will be in the future. But one thing is very clear, even in the back in the day, I should have, I I could have left my money in the bank argument, you know, um, if you had invested, you would have been much better off. So what does investing mean? It means putting your capital at risk for a higher expected return. So there's like, no one should like confuse what investing is. You are putting your capital at a higher risk for a higher expected return. But then I'd like to just really quickly differentiate what is investing versus speculating. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times this gets confused and then turns people off investing when actually they're really turned off of speculating, which is where they bet on something and lost big time, but they didn't really think about it. It wasn't really an evidence or academically based way of putting their money to work. So there is a smart way to invest and put your money at risk for a higher expected return. Okay, Gregory, let me follow up on that. Based on personal experience, I've been in Singapore for over 20 years now, and I just discovered last year when I went back to Canada that I had a small amount of money that I apparently invested in a guaranteed investment uh, thing with the bank. But it actually grew like sixty dollars in in the twenty twenty something years oh, that no. I left it there. And now that I wanted to take it out, the withholding taxes will actually take <laughs> up half of that investment. So I just like whatever. I'm just going to leave it there. So this is must be a super low risk investment, which is why it has super low returns. Well, it's either super low risk or super high cost. Right. But back in those days, <laughs> if we had platforms like, you know, IG or Robinhood or things like that, that would be easy to use for young people. I probably would have invested it in a higher risk, higher return sort of thing, which we didn't have at that time. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, there were tons of, I guess, 20 years ago, online brokers were just starting to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the traditional brokers have been around for a very long time. But they wouldn't um, care about my $1,000. <laughs> they probably wouldn't care about your $1,000. So, so really, one of the benefits of technology is the ability to serve a lot more people at scale, ideally at a lower cost. Mm-hmm. You know, but, the, but another problem with technology is that we people speculate more. speculate more. It's just at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. I can do it in bed before going to bed tonight. It's just too easy. It's just too easy. And it's been proven academically that and, and empirically that there are a few ways to make money in markets mm-hmm. over the long run. A single stock can move randomly in the short run. Mm-hmm. A concentrated portfolio is always more dangerous than a highly diversified portfolio. Of course. Mm-hmm. And paying more in fees means that you will have a lower return that goes straight to your bottom line. Yeah, fees is an issue for sure. And I know that a lot of digital platforms these days, well, there's not much fees really involved. uh, So there are fees involved. And this is where I I urge people to be careful. Mm. Because when someone says they're free, they're they're likely collecting a kickback or earning fees somewhere else. And and the issue with that is that that issue compounds. Because if I'm earning fees somewhere else, I may incentivize you to trade more Mm-hmm. so I can earn more fees from that somewhere else. When trading more is not necessarily, you know, what is best for you. So if I'm throwing, like, an example, if I'm throwing the top 10 winners and losers at you every day and sending you an email every morning saying, these were the top 10 movers last night, you're going to get all, like, excited and your palms are going to start sweating and you're going to be logging in, getting ready to, like, push the big red button when actually 
they're just trying to get you to speculate. Right. That is not investing to beat inflation and towards what we think are essential life goals in the future. Here's the thing. All of this tells me one thing. Financial literacy should be a priority, right? So how can this happen more effectively? You know, I feel like we're going through a cycle where there is just such an overload of information on so many different platforms. And unfortunately, it's very hard for people to differentiate what is real and what is not. Yeah. So people may even think that they are taking an effort to become financially more literate. But if the source is not good or if what they're telling you is not, you know, accurate, this may actually cause a reverse. And, and, and we've seen, we've, yeah, we've seen like TikTok influencers and mm-hmm. things saying, oh, put all your money in crypto. And it's just, it, you know, there's very little filter. So I feel like we're going through this, ex- this explosion right now in terms of the amount of content out there that is considered financial literacy. But over time, this will start to filter through mm-hmm. because the community is very smart. And the community will say, this is right, this is wrong, and we will get closer, hopefully, to the truth. Mm, There's been a lot of talk about actually doing more of this in schools, financial literacy being taught in schools. That's one way of doing it. But of course, I think parents need to be also... But even if you do that, you need experts in schools to be teaching financial literacy, right? Exactly. And they have to be vetted. (laughs) <laughs> vetted, re-vetted. So you see, it never ends. And I guess that's what you're getting at as well, right? That it's a never-ending, uh, one could say, it is a bottomless pit of advice coming at you from everywhere. But eventually, the ones who are credible will rise to the surface. That is the hope, anyhow. And I'm totally <laughs> for financial literacy in school. I think that makes a lot of sense. But something I have observed, even about myself, mm-hmm is we all think we're better than average. Ah, yes. (laughs) And and another thing, uh, Gregory, that I wanted to bring up in terms of financial literacy and listening to advice, and even if you are listening and watching very uh, credible publications uh, out there or or business news channel or or even business radio channel like us, you uh, or human nature tends to listen to what they want to hear. That's absolutely right. And the way the algorithms work is we're constantly being fed what we want to hear, and that's compounding. And that is, there is a danger there as well. Uh, absolutely. And this is why I think we're in this, like, this period of explosion mm. where all these uh, people can basically experiment anything. Uh, ideally, you know, the credible sources have to come through, and this sort of dilutes down and you get what is really important to you. Uh, it's, but, you know, I just, I, all I can say is have an extremely discerning eye. Like, even if you're, even if I'm telling you something, mm. you should question it yeah. and do your own research. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, Greg, all of these people that you spoke to, what did most of them say about what sorts of instruments they wanted to invest in? I've also heard some people say, you know what, just leave your money in CPF. The interest there is quite decent. But we know that people want to do more than that. So what exactly are they partial to at this point? So the group that is more experienced understands that they need to be investing in diversified, globally globally sector, diversified and low-cost portfolios. And these are portfolios of stocks and bonds. Um, And these are portfolios that are created for your specific life goals. So they could be short-term goals, medium or long-term goals, like retirement, for example. 
And, you know, a, a big group also, they want to generate income. So they want to generate passive income for their portfolio, um, from their investments to live off. Maybe they're just entering retirement and they have a lump sum of money that they want to generate income from for the next 30 years. Um, those types of solutions, I think, are very attractive to the experienced investor. There is a group that wants to hunt after more high-octane stuff, and you know that exists in many forms. I mean, one can go and trade their own options and, and stocks and, and try and speculate in the market. That's extremely high-octane. But there are also funds that, for example, target technology, um, or portfolios that target Chinese equities now that, you know, we're in this big cycle in China. Mm-hmm. And we find a lot of interest in those more opportunistic, what we call satellite investing. So we, we say that you should have your core investing for your essential life goals. And then you should have your satellite portfolios or your satellite investing for any bets that you want to make um, in maybe the short to medium term. All right. So I guess, uh, you, you know, your advice there is be discerning and uh, be cautious at the same time and really just know what you're doing before you head into it. Right, Gregory? Thank you very much uh, for joining us, Gregory. Gregory Van is the CEO of Endowas, joining us here on Primetime tonight. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.